Welcome back to the Ink Sync. I am Annie. I'm Kaylee. And this is the publishing podcast for the rest of us. Yeah, it is. How you doing, Kaylee? I've been better, but I'm pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> How are you, Annie? Good. I'm a bit of a hot mess today. We had had to reschedule this recording this like four times. The, yeah. My, oh my <laughs> it's God. been it's been such a journey. Like the toilet here broke, and then we were both sick, and now we're finally sitting down, and it's gonna be hopefully a good recording. Session. We're gonna do great. <laughs> we're sucks. wonderful, and people like us. Annie. That's what I, I tell this myself. This is the affirmation. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what, what I, you tell yourself. That's you what like, I tell. Wake up in the morning, look in the mirror. You're great, and people like you. That's right. That's what I <laughs> definitely don't do. Can I tell you something really funny? Yeah. Remember when we were trying to come up with names for this podcast and we settled on the ink sync because it's ink meaning books and sync meaning it's like we're talking about everything. Yeah. Uh, apparently people, whenever I tell people the name, they think we mean sync like S-Y-N-C because that makes more sense as a podcast. And I'm like, you're absolutely correct. That would make more sense. <laughs> that is unfortunately not what we did though i thought we i thought Sorry. we had we had gone with sync on purpose because of what you described because it's it's could go either way oh we definitely did but then you know everybody else is like oh whoops i would i've been searching for the wrong thing this whole time I'm like, oh, sorry. Oh, no. Well, here's our link tree. <laughs> yeah, it's all on our link tree. Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> it's okay, everybody. You can, however you found us, however you are listening to us today. And our, our random UK follower, please. And our one random UK follower on Substack. Thank you so much. I haven't checked if we've gotten any more Russian listeners. I hope so. That one, like, Russian listener is not just by themselves. Oh, no. Yeah. You have somebody to talk to. Get yeah. a buddy. Get a buddy involved. Yeah. Re- reading your American literature stuff. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into the news, Kaylee. Let's let's do that, Annie. We've got a lot, to, lot of news to talk about, actually. We do. Starting us off with some good news. This comes to us from LitHub. There are more bookstores in the U.S. today. This year than last year. Which is fantastic. And it was a surprise, too. Surprise to us all. I think so. That was so cool. So apparently the American Booksellers Association um, actually says its membership is at the highest that it's been in the last two decades. 20 years. amazing. That's incredible. We were actually at a wine bar bookstore a little while ago, some friends and I. I don't think you were there. But... Uh, we were talking to the owner and she was saying how actually it's really surprising that the bookstore part of her business was doing better than the wine part of her business. I was shocked. That's also am- that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. People love reading books. Every time uh, somebody asks you, oh my gosh, do people still read books? Be like, yeah, they freaking do. Absolutely. They're selling them, making viable businesses the most in the past 20 years. They're selling like hotcakes and hotcakes, unless you're talking about actual pancakes. Right. Not selling very well. Anyway. Anyway. So uh, good news for us to start us off. More bookstores is good, I think, for all of us. 100%. And it was really funny. I, I was just talking to my family and they were just like, there aren't any good bookstores left. And I was like, you're wrong. You just don't look. In fairness, though, like, I know that it's kind of difficult. We I don't live in a small town. I live in, like, one of the most populated counties in... <laughs> In the country or whatever. Um, and we only have one bookstore in our town. Yeah, I'd have to go to a different town to get to another bookstore. Um, and as independent bookstores go, I, we only have, the I think, two in a 20-mile radius. So it's not necessarily, I think, that there are 
not a lot of bookstores wherever they are. I think it's more just like that. It, they are genuinely kind of hard to find sometimes because they're usually very small businesses. But I, I am very heartened to see that this is a thriving and growing business for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Moving on. Oh, the Internet Archive. (sighs) (laughs) I Okay, so for those who haven't been following the Internet Archive coverage, the Internet Archive is a free online library. Um, They also are probably the most famous for supporting the Wayback Machine. If you've ever used the Wayback Machine to see how websites used to look or content that used to be on them that is no longer on them. Um, that's very important. And another thing that it does is lends out books. Specifically, it is lending out books in a way that a normal, like your regional local library is not doing. It is lending out books by taking a physical book that someone has purchased, scanning it into a database, and then uploading that PDF version onto the Internet Archive digital library, and then not letting anyone touch the physical book, but only lending out the digital book one One at a time, time. basically, like, as you would with a physical book. But the thing is, as we've already discussed, publishers can't monetize this as aggressively as they have been taxing actual libraries with digital copies of ebooks. And so they don't like it. Yes, we're very biased on this topic, obviously. Um, The publishers have come out and said this is violating our copyrights. Obviously, like, we're not making any money off of this, which is true. And we believe that that does not matter. Because the point that we kind of came down on is no one is going to buy individually every single piece of media that they want to consume. People don't want to do that with movies and TV shows. That's why we have Netflix, right? No one is going out and buying or renting every single episode of Suits right now. That's not a thing. What they are doing instead is subscribing to Netflix and watching Suits when it's available. The Internet Archive, it doesn't have many copies of each individual book. So it's you can't pay your way to get more Internet Archive. You're getting what you got, and those books were paid for. They paid for that. Same way Netflix licensed suits, right? They paid for that. And uh, what Internet Archive does a lot of times is you get like an hour to read the book. And then, you know, you have to either renew the loan or, you know, be like, okay, I'm done reading for now. I'm gonna just go. Uh, For me, I've used it mostly for textbooks. And usually an hour is all I need to read the chapter that I've been assigned. So it works out for me. I don't ever want to buy Especially textbooks. Yeah, core concepts of management in the 20th century, which was outdated when it was written in 2006. Like, it's not something that I want to physically have in my house. And also, and we've talked about this before, like, explicitly for textbooks, it's a problem. Like, because of the nature of a lot of predatory practices from universities that are forcing their instructors to print and publish. So they'll create a book and then they'll make minor changes and reprint. So that means that that particular um, edition is now out of date. And so like any copies of that that still remain have to be like, you know, sent to a landfill. It's just, it's trash. It is a bad model. Yeah. And it's forcing like an, an excessive amount of waste into the world. And it's, it's just not good. It's not good. I'm coming down guys. I'm not, I'm not objective. Obviously the internet archive is, is fighting um, so there was a judgment against them. Yeah, they're still fighting. So the the judgment came down against them saying that they were, in fact, in violation of these copyrights, which is actually true. Um, I found a bunch of articles on this. Um, obviously, I'm collecting news stories 
throughout what, however long it is between recordings for us. Um, but I felt that this article from the New York Times did the best at consolidating all of the arguments. Um, so they interview the founder of the Internet Archive, but they're also interviewing the Authors Guild that is against the Internet Archive. They're also interviewing the group of authors that are in favor of the Internet Archive and highlighting also, and I thought this was fascinating, um, the differing philosophical viewpoints about making books available to people, making information available to people. I think that it is telling that a lot of the complaints from the publishers came down to something like 20 books on the Internet Archive. And the Internet Archive hosts millions of books. The publishers were like getting mad at like their bestsellers. They're not being able to juice those extra couple sales out of their bestsellers that are already bestsellers. Um, And I think that the judge in the case did as well as they could have to understand the point. Um, And I think they did a really, really good job. You can read some of the judges um, judgment in, in this article and they talk about how they're the ones who, who narrowed it down to those 20 books because they're like, look, if you as a publisher don't have this book available digitally, you cannot get mad at someone making the book available digitally. It is a moot point. That's insane. We're just talking about these ones that you want to make extra money on. And he's like, it is correct that copyright law does protect you in this case. And a lot of authors are jumping in being like, listen, the publishers aren't your friends here. The Internet Archive is making this information available. And this is like the old school sort of promise of the internet utopianism thought of information wants to be free. And the things that we can do to help that are only going to be seen as good through the eyes of history. I can agree with that. But yeah, so I thought it was really, really interesting, uh, kind of like a utopianism versus capitalism sort of thing. And I think that it, it also very much illustrates why we need to overhaul the copyright law that we have right now. The DMCA, I believe, was put into effect in like 2000. Like it is so out of date. The way the internet works right now is not at all how the internet worked in the early 2000s. Like definitely not in the 90s, which is when a lot of it was drafted. Like, come on, y'all. This needs to change. It does. It needs to change carefully because I've seen some people like saying it needs to change and then like not just like people but like the argument that it does need to change yeah. and then like of as happens all the time in legislation like they're trying to slip in like traps into the to the revised mm-hmm. rulings and I just why are people like this yeah. anyway I agree with you it's just I've seen a few a few attempts at changing it for the worse which yeah. Is so frustrating. I can agree with that. Yeah. I'm not a copyright expert, so I can't say that I know how it should change, but um, that's a good point that I should be more careful. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. It does need to be updated. It's I just think that so people too. are just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I Agreed. try to be optimistic, but sometimes they're just trash. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, anyway. So moving on, we have a a breaking news story that was actually published by Northwestern University's student newspaper. So the Daily Northwestern, um, which is the student newspaper of Northwestern University, um, specifically Nicole Marcus, Alice Brown, Cole Reynolds, and Divya Bardwaj. I think so. I believe I pronounced her last name correctly. uh, Published a story about the university's football program and how the 
um, hazing had gotten so bad that it was considered it is essentially sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the, the it, people didn't actually come forward until after the suspension. So j- there is the coach. It's the coach himself was suspended. There was a six month investigation that was apparently turned up nothing. And yet then the student newspaper was able to get multiple interviews that confirmed that this happened. And then they had to break the story, which right. is insane and so, like, impressive. Yeah. Good, good for, for them. them. Every single one of them deserves accolades. I hope that they go on to do even more amazing work. Uh, this story came to us from Pointer. Um, and the I, I want to say that the, the university was like, oh, we didn't find anything at all. Um, and then, you know, the, a bunch of official statements were released saying, oh, this, this, this can't be true. But like, they are quoting players who are, were willing to, to talk to them and were able to say, you know, here are provable incidents. Here are things that happened. Here's this corroborated co- evidence. Exactly. This coach should not be in charge of these people and these people need to be disciplined. And I think that that's, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what the culture is like on that campus, but I remember the sports culture on my college campus being extremely toxic and also extremely angry at anyone who spoke out about it. So I can only imagine the kind of hate that they're getting internally as well. And I think that they're being really amazing. It's, like, it's a lot of pressure from from people that are in a position of authority over yeah. you to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Like as many journalists are also in that position. And I think that they conducted themselves incredibly. So. Congratulations again to Nicole Marcus, Alice Brown, Cole Reynolds, and Divya Bardwaj for publishing the story. Absolutely. Um, speaking speaking of speaking of rulings. Oh goodness. So, for those of you who haven't been following us for a while, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that this is funny to us and probably not funny to anyone else on the planet. But Okay, here here's a, here's a question for you. Have you ever noticed that the ebook prices on Amazon are the same as the ebook prices everywhere else? It's almost like they're fixed in place. Annie. It's almost as though they are fixed in place <laughs> at a certain spot. Right? It's weird how that happens, and isn't it's just it? Obviously, a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. Nobody's meeting in a back alley to fix these prices, especially if they're not actually talking to each other it's totally fine isn't it uh i love the fact that the response so so okay just to be clear they so this, this happened is, like two years ago okay it's been, this, this this lawsuit happened two years ago this lawsuit was filed and then the judge was like i don't think that it's price fixing because they haven't talked to each other about fixing the prices they've just been like giving each other significant looks and that doesn't count so they came back the pe- the lawyers came back with a new lawsuit saying this is still price fixing and here's, here's another why. here's another definition of it that i think is going to work better and now what's happening kaylee i i appreciate so the judge has ruled in this case that there are sufficient facts to proceed it took a 59 page response to this for this person to be like i still think you're wrong but like substantially speaking i have to allow it to proceed basically like because it's because they're not wrong it's price, it's fixing. price fixing in it's spirit and actuality you 
dumb dumb. <laughs> I wrote in my notes at this point they're just trolling us, right, Kaylee? <laughs> it's absurd. Like the, again, a fifty-nine page response to say you can proceed, but I don't like it. He's like, it's not a conspiracy, but I guess the facts are there that it might be a conspiracy. So okay, you can go and sue them for having it be a conspiracy. Like, come on. <laughs> What? What's anyway, happening? so Godspeed, you guys. I, I appreciate that this has been such a labor, an intensive labor of love yeah. and dedication for the team that has been continuing to pursue yeah, this argument. Yeah. Good for you. And I, I'm, we are watching. Uh, we will continue to watch as like this hawks, unfolds. The ink sink will watch you. <laughs> tiny, tiny birds. Tiny. Inky birds. We're just tiny little... That should be our new, like, we should add that to our stickers. Tiny Tiny little inky birds. birds. Yeah, we could be like ravens. We are. We're teeny tiny little ravens. Probably closer to starlings if we're being honest with ourselves, though. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to our favorite news section. Celebrating marginalized people in publishing. Yeah. We have a new president of poetry. We sure do. So, um... Ricardo Maldonado is has been announced on Wednesday to be its new president. That would be the president of the Academy of American Poets. It sounds better if he's president of poetry. I just think he's just president of poetry. He's president of yeah, poetry. Yeah, the elected <laughs> elected official of poetry. Um, so so uh, Maldonado is actually the first Latino president. That's awesome. Uh, so far, like that, the poet to be so named, as as the article said. So this has been brought to us um, by LitHub, um, and it was uh, written by uh, Janet Manley. But yeah, so this happened um, just uh, last month. Yeah, little, congratulations. Over a month ago. Yeah, Keep sparkling. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, and I, I do appreciate their description on how they like sought him out for this position and how they wanted somebody that wasn't just looking for a job in poetry, but was somebody that was trying to make poetry their their vocation, if that makes any sense. I and like that. just embodying like poetry and, and how they approach their life. Do that that think- makes sense. You need somebody that, that is just genuinely passionate. You have to. Um, it's not poetry is not traditionally something that makes you famous in your lifetime. Just FYI, correct? <laughs> it, it, it can, but it's unlikely. Yeah. Frankly, yeah, true. I mean, not not maybe maybe not. Let me rephrase that. Maybe not famous. You could be famous. You're probably not going to be super wealthy. No, you're not going to be successful. Probably not on the poetry. Maybe for other things, but mm. anyway. So, um, good for you, sir, and um, great job. Yeah. So, Annie, what else do we have to celebrate about? Oh, Dolly Parton. Um, Dolly Parton is expanding the Imagination Library with new commitments from counties in Alabama and Washington. It's very, it's it's heartening to see, especially yeah. with things as they are. Yeah. That that there are people that are still trying to get books to kids. For those who don't know, Dolly Parton created the Imagination Library years and years ago uh, to give kids in Tennessee, her home state. Uh, to give kids books uh, from birth up to age five so they can just enroll and receive free books from the Dolly Parton estate. And that's amazing. And she set it up so that it'll keep going after she passes. And uh, there, it was rolled out nationally a while ago, but it does need to have like some state and local um, funding to keep going in, in the individual counties and things. So some new commitments from counties in Alabama and Washington state just showed up. And that is awesome um congratulations obviously to alabama and washington for getting that to pass i know passing things in legislatures is difficult so. oh my goodness boy <laughs> howdy if we can all agree on dolly parton i think we're doing okay we we're there's some hope left. yeah exactly 
<laughs> Let's move on to our favorite section. Kaylee, what are you reading? What am I reading? That's a good point. Um, So I... I did take a bit of a break. I did just finish uh, Camp Damascus, which Mm -hmm. we received as an advanced reader copy. And I was like two chapters in and I was like, this is so good. And then I went ahead and pre- and I already told you guys I had pre-ordered, but like then my hard copy came and I was just like, well, I've already gotten through the first few chapters of my ARC. I'll just finish it here. Um, And I forgot to bring it back because I was going to live at Annie's house um, because I'm a jerk, but I will bring it back. I know where they are if I have them. I collected all of the borrowed material on one particular (laughs) shelf because I was concerned that it would be consumed by the move. So I made explicitly sure that Alex would not pack them up in a box that he does not label and just shoves a bunch of stuff that my husband doesn't label. He's very efficient. (laughs) Getting where it's supposed to be. I had to look. So I, so on, on <laughs> Wednesday, Izzy, I, um, on Wednesday when I thought I just had like a backache because I like pulled something when I was like uh-huh. cleaning out the litter box. I was like looking for a foam roller that I have specifically because I get so tense from work. Mm. And then I couldn't find it. No. I looked, I had to look. It was genuinely, when I say it was the last box that I looked in, everyone's like, oh, well, you wouldn't have kept looking then. Obviously. It was the last box in the house. <laughs> That I had not unpacked. Like, I was so mad. And we've unpacked a lot of boxes up until, like, I was, like, feeling really good about getting stuff unpacked. And then, like, obviously got knocked on my ass by food poisoning. Yeah. So I explicitly made sure that your your books wouldn't get swallowed by the black hole. Thank you. So I um I just finished that. It was fantastic. I have recommended this book to so many people. Really? Um, I told my cousin about it. So we started working out together. And That's right. I did. And I told him about it. And I was like, okay, so I need to warn you if you go to the author's Amazon page. And and he just just also thinks that uh, Dr. Tangle is brilliant, by Good. the way, now, of course. He is. I said, I, I can't, I, I, I will be honest, I haven't read the erotica, but I have read some of the serious fiction. It's all technically serious. Like, some of it's just more parody than not. But it was really good. And so, yeah, he, he started browsing through. The, the, the lists, by the way, have changed. So you've got the dinosaur pack, and now you've got the different themed packs. you got packs! That you can buy now. <laughs> perfect. It's just like, perfect, 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 salutes perfect. to you. Anyway, um, but yeah, so I, I recommended, obviously, um, I'm passing it around, hopefully. And then, um, so my next book that I'm picking up is Hero the Ninth. Mm, okay. So I, I'd taken a break between the books and I read other things in the middle. So, um, yeah. and I reread a couple things. I was going to start that again, but I could do nothing. I yeah. did play, I did start playing uh, Fallout 4. Yeah, that's right. I've been playing Fallout 4 too. It's very big time suck. <laughs> dog meat's wonderful. Oh, I love dog meat. Have you gotten armor for dog meat I yet? haven't been to the area where you can pick he up looks the armor. so cute in his little armor. When he, he when has you're little like, goggles. I started the uh, mission, like me and Nick are trying to find Kellogg. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when he starts the mission and you're like, go smell him out, boy. I don't know if it's every time, but he like was rolling around on his back. And no, it was so Mine didn't cute. do that. That's adorable. He was just like, it was just that was his like happened to be the the thing that it kicked in at that point and oh my god what a, the way that they animated this dog I would murder twelve people I think for you this can dog. get uh, are you playing it on PlayStation mm-hmm. so on the PlayStation Store I think you can get free skins for the dog to change the breed if you wanted to get it into a different breed oh that's cute no I don't mind him being a German Shepherd I like him being a German Shepherd yeah. too I think he should be yeah I'll look I'll look it up though I'll have to look it up but that's cute yeah. 
I would love cutest. to see like just a fucking terrier just ripping into shit like a you super can, mutant. You can make small dogs. Oh, that would be so cute. Like just ripping into a super mutant. Yeah, that's fantastic. I saw that and I was just like, that would totally break the immersion for me. But but I also kind of want it to be like a little shih tzu. Oh my god, that would be so funny. Oh, I'd have to go back and look and see if I can find like a little terrier or something. I feel like a terrier would do it. Like a terrier, well, they're they're fucking ready to go. Every terrier that I've ever met has been ready to fight at all times. Yeah. So I feel like a terrier versus a super mutant, it's gonna be fine. And they heard from below. So. <gasps> that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you know that's where the vulnerable bits are. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Those Brahmin could never happen. saw it coming. Could happen. Yeah, that's right. Um, what are you reading or playing, Annie? As I, I happen to know both answers. <laughs> I, I, I am, in fact, playing Fallout 4. <laughs> anyway. So, no, I am reading something. <laughs> also, please tell me. I am reading a book called Yellow Face, which is a satirical look at the publishing industry. It's about a woman who uh, has a quote-unquote best friend. It's one of those ones where she hates her best friend because her best friend is more successful and more pretty and, like, does more things and is, like, you know, doing, doing, like, has published several books and has, like, a Netflix option. And this woman, the protagonist, has had, like, one debut book and it didn't do very well. And so she's, like, really jealous and angry and, like, mean. And it seems like she just genuinely doesn't like her best friend. Her best friend, through a series of ridiculous circumstances because this is a satirical book dies and this woman acquires i.e. steals the manuscript that she has been working on that no one knew she had been working on but she'd been working on and brings it home and it's a story the the best friend is an asian woman uh she's chinese and it's the story about some chinese workers in world war one um who were interred in china and then brought over to the European theater. And I didn't know this was a real thing, but apparently it's a real thing that like they were brought over to the European theater. They were laborers. They went through a lot, but they helped win the war. And it's like really unfair how much they were taken advantage of, taken advantage of. Yeah. And so it's a very like quintessential Chinese diaspora story. And this woman who is white publishes it uh, under a different name that sounds more Asian. And her publicists encourage her to retweet and quote tweet and follow and be ambiguous about other Asian influencers and be ambiguous about her own ethnicity. And so it's a look at cultural appropriation in a very real sense. This woman is so out of touch. It's very funny. Like normally I don't like unlikable protagonists. You have to like be a really good writer to make me like, an un- I, I like some of them. Like, Marjorie Liu and Sonata Takeda's Monstrous. Um, Maiko, the protagonist in that book, unlikable. But, like, I want her to succeed. Mm-hmm. In this book, this protagonist is so unlikable. But I, like, want to watch her fail. And I'm, like, I feel bad about it as I'm as I'm reading this. But also, like, she is so out of touch and so ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's all about her. Anytime someone calls her out for being a white woman writing about the Chinese diaspora, basically, not literally, but in, like, thematically, um, she has this, like, she's like, isn't that racist to say that I'm not allowed to write about these things? And um, I'm actually um, listening to the audiobook, and the narrator is chef's kiss on this woman's character. It's <laughs> really good. Um, so... Yeah, I'm I'm about 
halfway through now, um, or maybe a little bit more than halfway, she's just had a disastrous meeting with an Asian American diaspora group who all thought that she was Chinese and was telling a story of her own ancestors. And she's like, oh, no. And, like, she doesn't even like Chinese food. And it's, like, a whole, like, sitcom-level silly thing. Oh, boy. but it's, I believe, coming to a head soon. Um, someone on Twitter has called her out for possibly stealing the manuscript, but they don't have any details, which means they don't have any proof. And so she's like, well, no one's going to believe that. So I'll just double down and then triple down and then quadruple down. And like, she's lying to every single person. It's absolutely insane. Um, it's really good, though. Uh, it's, I would say... Um, for people who know anything about publishing or who are really curious about publishing, this does go through a lot of publishing stuff. And then it also is very funny um, and very ridiculous. And if you, if you're someone who doesn't like cringing at someone else's cringe, it might not be for you. Like it's, it's gotten a little bit close to that for me. Like I don't really like cringe comedy. I'm not big on the office or um, those like prank YouTube channels. It's not, it's not really for me. Um, But I would say that it's it's good otherwise. If you don't like that humor, there are redeeming qualities. If you extra don't like that humor, it might not be for you. Thanks for listening to The Ink Sync. You can find us on all your favorite apps, all your favorite uh, feeds, and you can find any ways that you would like to support us all on our link tree, which is anywhere you found this podcast. And you can go buy us a coffee on Kofi if you would like. Um, you can find us on all your major podcast apps, all your major social media apps, except for X, um, because I am not on X anymore. Good. It's gone. It's over. I'm done. I've broken up with X. I am still on Goodreads, though, so if you want to come troll me over there, you can do that, too. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>